glory. Amen. Isn't God good? He's been very good. God bless you. Thank you, musicians. Let's turn to Psalms and Proverbs tonight. Amen. Nice to see your faces tonight. We've been away for a few days. Nice to have all the ministers back again. There's a couple away still, but... um, Welcome, Brother Tim Dodd. Amen. And Brother, Brother Tom was the, the Lone Ranger here Sunday. And, uh, but I, the Lord blessed the service and blessed the assembly and thank you for, uh, letting us be away a few days. If we're a little rusty tonight, it's because we haven't spoke for a few weeks. So, uh, Psalms chapter one is where we're turning to and Proverbs 17. Proverbs chapter 17, we'll read second, but let's turn to Psalms chapter 1. Brother Branham read a few verses of this in Restoration of the Bride Tree. And before we read the scripture, let's bow our heads and pray together. Our dear Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord Jesus, tonight. And we want to open up our mouths and open up our hearts, God. This world so restricts us and puts a damper on our hearts and our spirits, but... There's a place we can let off the pressure. Thank you for your word, oh God. We thank you that we can lift up our hands, we can wave our hands, we can shout hallelujah. Tonight we can say amen. We're not just going to be hearers of the word only, but we want to respond to the Holy Spirit. And we want to rise up, Lord, as we're in the season of the seed being manifested. Tonight we want your heart to be moved by the faith within the saints of God. We pray that you'd strengthen every person, heal our land, and touch us, Jesus. Lord, we don't want to just be in our spirit realm with one another. We want the Holy Ghost to get inside of us and get inside of your word. We're so thankful Brother Murphy Wong had good services and Brother Tim Dodd are back from Boston in that area. We thank you, Lord, for these brothers and Brother Ernie Villanueva and that you strengthened Brother Tom Ray and kept the assembly these last days. Would you be with Brother Biscoe and Brother Michael Ray and those that are still away? Just continue to strengthen our church, oh God. As Lord, there's a time that we go through valleys and there's a time that we go through the mountains. But no matter where we're at tonight in our journey, we're one day closer to the coming of the Lord. Strengthen us by your word and feed our souls. That Lord, that's been the anchor all of these years is the word of God. Bless it now to our hearts in Jesus name. Amen. Psalms chapter one, verse one to six. Uh, since you can, why don't we just read it out loud together? I think that'd be really good. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, 
but the way of the ungodly shall perish. God bless you for serving the Lord tonight. Isn't it good to see one another? Psalm, uh, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, Proverbs 17, verse 22. Proverbs 17, verse 22. Let's read that out loud together. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit drieth the bones. May God put medicine in our lives tonight. In Jesus name. God bless you. You can have your seats. Amen. Feel like I haven't preached for about a month or something. So you're going to have to help us tonight. May the Lord put oil into the church. Amen. Every joint supplieth. And sometimes you try to do things without oil and things just break apart a little bit. We had a little bit of homework from Brother Tom's services. And he's been uh, mentioning uh, about God's provided place of worship. And uh, it doesn't matter which one of the ministers are speaking. But whenever they mention about a service of Brother Branham. I like to go and listen to those messages. And uh, Brother Michael Ray ministered and mentioned about Shalom. And so we write down those messages. Brother Tom mentioned about God's provided place of worship. And so you go to those services. And it was in one of those services that uh, we got the title for tonight's service. And we're going to go to that. Uh, just in a little bit, I, I'd like to um, read that with you and how God and his enthusiasm uh, about seeing his word coming to pass. I just think that's wonderful. And uh, t- tonight, just some opening comments as we read in the scripture and we speak about capturing the enthusiasm of God. Uh, God's not uh, getting excited about worldly things tonight. God doesn't get excited about what the world's doing. Uh, God's not excited about Canada and Mr. Trudeau and all the politics. Uh, God's not all excited about America. It's already in the Bible and, and uh, Revelations 13 where America is going to be. God's not all interested in what's happening in China or in Africa, the UN or the NATO. God is enthused and excited about his word. So I think it's good for us to get enthused with God tonight. God's not excited and it doesn't enthuse God uh, to speak about our elections or sports or the media. What we think is so big and is so, you know, operates in this knowledge realm. That's not what makes God happy. God does not have a favorite movie. Amen. Can we hear a hearty amen? Sometimes you hear about people who say, what's your favorite movie? Well, God doesn't have a favorite movie. You're the apple of God's eye. Um, Tonight might just be good to change some of our our culture a little bit, you know. God is bigger than the apple company. He's bigger than the android company. I'm speaking about capturing the enthusiasm of God. God's bigger than Facebook. God's bigger than Google. God's bigger than any planet that there would be in the universe. God's bigger than the universe. God's omnipresent. God can be everywhere at the same time. It is, we might as well just blow our minds right away, you know. Science and math and equations cannot equate God. God's bigger than all of that. So tonight when we, when Brother Branham used these words of enthusiasm, 
in the message. And we're going to get into it in just a little bit about what Brother Branham uh, said about the enthusiasm of God. I just want to bring to your mind what he was speaking about, about this enthusiasm. Because it has to do with fervor. And it has to do with passion. It has to do with excitement. And we're going to talk about that a little bit because many times when we speak about enthusiasm, uh, right away we go to our human minds uh, to think about people or certain people are enthusiastic or certain people are, are, are more maybe charismatic and you would put that to human, the human element. But tonight I want you to think about God. The enthusiasm of God has to do with the zeal of God. And it's going to be the zeal of the Lord of hosts That's going to perform his word. So enthusiasm has to do with eagerness. Something that's eager. God is eager. It's like someone that's just pressing and eagerly looking forward. And friends, we're way down the road. It's 2019. God is eager to bring us home in the rapture. So why don't we just, uh, we'll go to this quote because I can tell some of you want to know. And it's God's provided place of worship. Uh, there in Shreveport, and he was talking about being in Los Angeles, down there in Forest Lawn, and Brother Branham was going through the place where the statue of Moses was, and he thought it was Michelangelo that had made a, a statue of, of Moses, and uh, right above the right knee of Michelangelo's, the statue there, was about a nick of about a half inch deep. Because when Brother Branham was going through and observing the, the statues and things and the guide was showing him and he was looking and it, it was pointed out to him that Michelangelo had spent a lifetime and he was a sculptor and he was trying to make the image of Moses. And Brother Branham says back in his mind, he had in mind what Moses should look like and he had in his heart what Moses should look like. And he spent his lifetime and he would chisel a little here and he would rub it over here and he would stand back and look at this great statue. And year after year, he worked on it till finally when it was completed and he stepped back and laid his rag and his hammer and he looked at the statue. And Brother Branham said it was so perfectly the image of Moses that, that he had in his heart, that Michelangelo had in his heart, till he just got beside of himself and he grabbed the hammer and he struck it and he hollered, speak! And, it, and it's called Michelangelo's masterpiece. That great something in that sculpture, that vision that he had of what Moses ought to be, uh, what, what he was looking like, was only portraying the type of the great father God and how he had a vision of a bride and how he's been working on it year after year and rubbing on it here and chiseling on it here till it's only in our day. That he could stand back to a prophet and say, there's been a restoration of the bride tree. And so Brother Branham talked about God and how in his heart, before the foundation of the world, he become, he, he was a father. But it was still in the genes of his word and he created man and he put him on free moral agency, but that man fell. But the great sculptor God who made man from the dust of the earth, he didn't settle for that. He started making man again and he made Noah and he died a drunk. 
And he made Moses that failed to keep his word. I'm quoting Brother Branham and how he was going through the Old Testament and, and Noah, then Moses and the prophets that run in times of trouble. And he kept building and molding until after a while he wanted a masterpiece to reflect him and his nature, what was in his heart and what his word would manifest. Now here's the next a part of this quote and this is where the inspiration for tonight's service come from. One day down on the Jordan, after that masterpiece had been formed and made, here he comes sitting down on the wings of a dove and said, this is him. He was so enthused with this masterpiece until he struck him on Calvary that he would die for the rest of us that was imperfect. That through the shedding of his blood, he might bring many masterpieces, being a bride to his son. Friends, can we just agree that you are God's masterpiece? We're going to be going back and forth because we can speak about Christ being a masterpiece, but then there's you and I that God's been forming and working these masterpieces. And he says a masterpiece is scarred because the enthusiasm of God to see such a masterpiece, he struck him for us all. See, there he died to perfect we who are imperfect the masterpiece. So tonight I want to raise your heart a little bit to see the enthusiasm of God to see the masterpiece that God's been working on down through the ages. And it's not just some God sitting up there with his arms folded that's just bored and seeing Laodicea kind of run its course and people falling away and people getting cold on God. Just over the weekend, I heard of another a pastor minister in the message for almost 40 years and now he's questioning and wondering. You know, as time goes on, there's going to be more and more of that go on around the world. One to the right, two to the left, but there's going to be a bride stay faithful. There's going to be a group of people that is going to be restored that when God looks at us and begins to strike our lives and though it may hurt and though you might go through a valley, there will be a turning time. Just before we left and how the Holy Spirit moves and begins to inspire through the word of God and we may speak on it in the future, but I just felt to bring and just touch on this tonight. That there will be a season of turning in your life. That you will go through the mountains. You will go through the valleys. But there will time, there will be times as we talk about going and turning the corner. Turning the corner. But I, I want to speak right now of going down into the valley. Going down through the trial. But there's a time to turn from the valley. And begin to go up again. And so I just felt that inspiration from the Holy Spirit, from the valley, we now turn. In other words, sometimes it just seems like blow after blow after blow, and it can get negative, and it can get hard, and it can just seem like the storms are moving, uh, and it just is causing things. Sometimes you just feel like putting your eagle's wings down underneath somewhere and just hiding somewhere, but there will come a time when those wings will begin to move out again. 
And I want to encourage you tonight, whoever you are, that there will be a time when you hit the bottom of the valley. And you begin to turn from that valley and begin to go up and rise and rise again. Praise the Lord. From the valley we now turn. We rise higher in the name of the Lord. Let's go back to Psalms chapter 1 together as this is a scripture that Brother Branham took. Brother Matthew, can we just have a little bit more up here? Psalms chapter 1 that we read, verse 1 to 6. Don't you love the message? I was just away for a few days and with our family. They're still away coming back tonight, but we were just able to spend some time with our family and and spend some uh, time in nature where we were. But it just began to be in times of reflection like that, you begin to see that the greatest anchor over the years has been the Word of God. I want you to rejoice with me just a little bit that no matter where we're at in our Christian life, whether you're on the mountains and we've had great camps and great conventions and great times of the moving of God, or whether you're going down into the valley and all you see is the, the big shadows of the trees and hear the caves and, or you're down in the bottom of the valley, and, but there's, there's a time that you come back up again, wherever you're at tonight, there's always an anchor for the believer. And I just begin to reflect back over the years and how the the anchor for my life has always been the Word of God. It's not people. It's not a church. It's not a person. It's not a spouse. Whether it's a husband or a wife, there's not a friend that is able to hold you through your storm. It's always been the Word of God. It's not my family that holds me. Whether you have a lot in your family, whether you have a lot of believers that are in your family that you say, well, we have a strong family dynamics or a family unit, but it's not going to be your family that holds you during those times. It's going to be the word of God. Do you agree? When you, when you ponder and look back over your life, It's not a song that's going to carry you through. It's going to be the word of God. I just wanted to give that as a little testimony. Sometimes we fail to give God glory. But the word has always been the anchor. Hallelujah. I encourage any person here tonight. The word is going to hold you through your trial. God's enthused. He's happy. He's excited about this. And so as we look back in Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 to 6, and, and the Bible was speaking about blessed is the man that, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, Doth he meditate day and night? I hope that can be your anchor. The word of God is something that is now becoming your enthusiasm. That you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You know, friends, sometimes when things seem to be falling apart all around a person, it's good to look inward. It's good to really examine yourself. 
It, uh, but friends, never take the victim side and get on the negative and let Satan uh, always get you looking at the hinder parts of life or of your church or of your own life. Never let Satan keep you there. That's not our lifestyle to live on just the shadows of life. There will be another spring. And when Brother Branham took this, uh, these verses in restoration of the bride tree, notice that restoration of the bride tree. And he read this scripture in Psalms and how that a man is planted that we're not just stuck there, but we've been planted by the rivers of water. And that we would bring forth his fruit in the season. And Brother Branham begins to speak about we would bring forth fruit, his fruit, in his season. I want you to look in verse 3 there. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. And his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And Brother Branham said, watch each his. The personal pronoun there, it's his fruit, God's fruit, in the season that the prophet is bringing it. It'll be in the prophet's season, God's fruit, in God's time, by the prophet's season. He shall bring forth his fruit and his season. And Brother Branham said, see if there isn't two his there. Is there two his in your Bible? So it's speaking about Brother Branham speaking, just breaking this down for us. Shall bring forth his, God's fruit, in the season that the messenger is ordained to come. He'll bring forth those. Now remember that the messenger that brings the fruit of God will bring it in God's season, in the season of the bringer. He will bring forth his fruit and his season and it cannot wither. Put your name there. You cannot wither. You cannot die. I was listening to Brother Branham in the message masterpiece, just driving to church. You know, that's another good message for you to write down. 1964 masterpiece. As Brother Branham speaks about this and, and you cannot wither because it's God's fruit in the season. So no matter what season you're in, you will not die. Amen. Let your, let your fruit just shout hallelujah tonight. Let, let there be some, a, a little bit of a moving in the house of God that our branches can have fellowship. Satan wants to rob us of, of our leaves, but tonight we're in the presence of God. Brother Andrew to shout glory to God. You know, we could have took this on the other side and talked about the enthusiasm of the church or the lack of enthusiasm in the individual. But I'm not going to speak on the negative tonight. I'm speaking about capturing the enthusiasm of God. You will not wither in your season. And you will not wither in the hour and the storms of life that we're going through. No matter what we go through, it's time to turn from the valley, turn from the death, turn from a sickness. Hallelujah. Turn into a new body one day. I just love the word of God and how it has the answer for everything that we're going through. Wherever you're planted, bring forth fruit. Hallelujah. 
God bless you tonight. I'll just remind you of that one uh, quote that Brother Branham talked about that uh, in warning than judgment. Brother Branham talked about that if there had been someone, I'm just paraphrasing, but you'll remember when he talked about if, if someone had hired you to do some work. That you just don't go to the barn and just sit there and just kind of sit there in a bale of hay and swing your legs back and forth. But you go to the one that hired you and ask him what he wants you to do. Speaking about our calling in life or our duty, you're supposed to ask him what your duty is. And, and Brother Brown, I'm speaking about that. Go to the one who put us here and ask him, why am I here? So it's not just going to the preacher or going to the dad or going to the mom or going to your friend. It's just not going to your spouse. It's going to God and saying, what is the enthusiasm of our lives? Are we doing okay tonight? Now, when we look at this verse in Proverbs 17, I hope that this verse will be a strength to you. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit. Dryeth the bones. Can we speak about this a little bit? Because in time-tested memorials, Brother Branham said, We believe, Almighty God, in, in prayer, that you intend for your children to be happy. It's not meant for us to be frowning and sorrowful, for it is written that a merry heart doeth good like medicine. And we love To enjoy your blessings and to have this great fellowship together. And as we as believers in your word, we fellowship around the word. And that's what we come here for is not just to hear a message, but to worship and fellowship with thee through the reading and preaching of the word. God help us to have greater fellowship then. Now, Lord. Thou will not disappoint us. I'm sure you'll bless us in these hours. So Brother Branham was speaking about this inspiration. About a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. You're not meant to be always frowning. God hasn't made you to frown. God's enthused. He's eager. He wants to see his wife happy. I mean, what has God not done for you that would make you happy to be a Christian? Then why are we so sad? Why are we lack our zeal and our passion and excitement as the bride of Christ? Let's just go to the next time when Brother Branham speaks about this in Georgia. He said, look, if I cut my hand with a knife and fell down dead here, There isn't a medicine in the world could heal my hand. Any medicine would heal my hand. A cut in my hand would heal a cut in my coat. Well, you say it wasn't made for the coat, Brother Branham. It was made for the human body. He said, all right, let me fall down dead and you take me over to the morgue and embalm my body with fluid and make me look natural for 50 years. Give me a shot of penicillin every day. Let the doctors come and dress it and sew it up. And 50 years from today, it looks just exactly like it was when it was cut. Where you say, sure, the life's gone out of, out of you. Which then, which is, which, then which is the healer? The medicine or the life? Can somebody answer the question tonight? Is it the medicine that's a healer or is it the life? 
This is where you get life is in the body. Life healing is in the body. You tell me what life is and I'll tell you who God is. God is the healer. Does this church believe that tonight? God is the healer. He said that doesn't discard medicine. Medicine doeth good and a merry heart doeth good like medicine. But God is the only healer. Now, friends, if we as believers could just believe the word, it's very simple. God is our healer. He's making a very clear example that if someone would get a cut and then they would die, there's no healing for that cut because the life has left the body. You can put penicillin in, you can try to heal the wound and, you know, talk about it and discuss it and go from this angle and that angle and this angle. But if there's no life in the person, if they've never had a born again experience, that's why as individuals, we need that life to be flowing through the body. Here's another good one out of the uh, Shreveport. Brother Brown, I'm speaking again about this merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So medicine isn't bad. There's medicine that is good for the body. But there's got to be life flowing through the body. And God is the healer. Said so sometimes in taking medicine, sometimes the medicines, it's good. The Bible says it is. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. Notice, but sometimes medicine won't always work the same on the person, and you have to take a chance on that. Brother Brown said, I was amazed here in Africa, if there might be a doctor near. And I know Brother uh, Tim Dodd was just with Brother David Combo, which is a professor, and right there near Harvard, and right up in the Boston area. There's a lot of medicine and, and institutions. And Brother Branham's bringing this about, I was amazed in Africa, if there might be a doctor near, how that God takes care of his people. You know, friends, we've already heard enough tonight for us all to be shouting and praising God. God takes care of his people. Are you his people? All things work together for good. But don't stop there. To them that love God. To them that are called. So we've already dealt tonight with some principles in the word of God. It's not just generally. you got to take the word down. And let the enthusiasm of God become your enthusiasm. We're going to speak about that in just a moment. But watch this native. He's talking about told Brother Branham that when they got a sore that wouldn't heal up, they would go out under an old wild orange tree and get an orange that was covered all over with mold and rub that mold in that sore penicillin. They knowed it hundreds of years ago and we just found it out recently then we think they're dumb, but God takes care of his own. If we'd spend more time praying, there'd be more things done. Then God help us in North America. I said, God help us in North America. Just because we have medicine, our access to health care doesn't do away with God is our healer. God is your healer. Hallelujah. 
Let me tell you what, tonight God is not excited about a lot of worldly things that sometimes you t- people talk about their, uh, this or they talk about that and they get all excited and they get all enthused. They just get totally engrossed with And you can, you can see them today. You can see them in coffee shops. You can see them out there and, and, the, and the worldly things and they just get so enthused about something. What's wrong with being enthused with God? But I want to turn your attention tonight from just us because, friends, we, we can get even to where it becomes we become afflicted with that ourselves and we become so self-centered that we forget that God has enthusiasm. That was our homework that we, we, we were listening to those messages and we caught that inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he was talking about the enthusiasm of God when now he looked on the bride that he's been forming and touching down through the ages and now he can say, speak! Speak, little bride! So let's just talk about this just a little bit. I want you to capture... The enthusiasm of God. How God is doing tonight. We say it's Wednesday night, but God is just flowing. He's just eager. He's just like the waves of the sea that just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And you know, God's eternal. Men and women die. And we put them down under the ground. I was listening to a message every morning. It was such a pleasure uh, that we were away to wake up before 6 o'clock and go out on the beach and listening to Brother Branham. And I just had my little speaker there and, and, and message after message. And spoken word is the original seed in the morning, then at night. And just different messages we were, we heard in the last week. But there was times when Brother Branham would talk about that it's appointed unto man once to die. And that as the years go by, men and women, good Christians, have passed away. And it just seems like time goes on, but God is still living. He's brought, He's vibrating with life. So part of this enthusiasm that we're looking now through the heart of God tonight, and I'm trying to just convey it to you by the word, is God gets enthused. When he sees the word that he promised for our day start to being fulfilled and brought to pass in men and women, that's get, that gets God excited. Tonight I want you to capture it though. I want you to capture, I want you to see this. It's something that is captured in your heart where you begin to see this enthusiasm. Your heart begins to be moved with a personal revelation yourself. It's not somebody else telling you, somebody showing you, but you catch it yourself. You become captured. And then all of a sudden there becomes something in your own heart. This love starts working. This experience of God starts growing. I'm just holding myself back a little bit, but God is very enthused to see his children grow up. Hallelujah. That gets God on fire. But when we speak about the word capture tonight, I want you to hold it. Capturing the enthusiasm of God means I want you to hold it. I want you to observe it. 
That's what we talked about in, in Psalms chapter 1, verse 2. This believer, this man or woman that delights in the law of the Lord and in the Word of God, you begin to meditate on it day and night. And the Bible goes on to say, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And, and how many believe the Scripture when it says, the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous? Who believes that tonight? He, he knows your way. He knows the season. And you shall bring forth His fruit in His season. So have patience. The life is flowing up through you whether you feel it or it's greater than emotion. What I'm speaking about enthusiasm tonight is not emotion. It's greater than emotion. It's the life coming up now through the stalk, coming up through the fruit. This is where the bride is at globally. And Satan is challenging all of us to get in the flesh and look on the natural things. And God is trying to pulsate through that seed. I want you tonight to capture and let it begin to participate in your own life. Let it happen in yourself. Let it become more than just mechanics. Let the dynamics begin to charge your life. I remember as a little boy, my father and mother's here and being raised in the Branham Tabernacle and hearing these things from a little boy and a little youth. Hearing service after service of Brother Branham and having it in our homes and being around people from all over the world that would visit Jeffersonville as we were so privileged to meet a lot of people. But there comes a time you can be all around it. You can have it happening in people, men and women. You can be at prayer meetings. You can come to youth meetings. You can go to camp services. You can be under great, powerful, dynamic ministers. But there's got to come a day when that sea within you begins to not just be germatized, but it begins to come forth itself. God is enthused to see you catch it. That's what gets God excited is when he sees you growing up now, when he can say, speak, because he sees his own life. Not just you there listening, trying to soak it in and absorb it. But when you yourself begin to grow and burst out, that's when God is excited. Can I take off my coat? Been in a warm place. Amen. Uh, poor brothers, Mur- brother Murphy and brother Tim were up there in that cold, cold Boston area. And we were in a little bit of a warmer place. And I felt bad for them. <laughs> Didn't feel bad for us, but I felt bad for them. And God is excited to see us growing in the word. Look back over 2019. I don't know how you see your own life or your family or our church or what's happening in the message. But when you look back over your life and sometimes as individuals, we don't see it in our own selves or in our family or in our church. Sometimes it takes another person to look at you and, and see your growth. Is that true? 
It takes someone that you haven't been around for a long time or someone to say, I really appreciate you or I appreciate your church or I appreciate your musicians or they ask about, you know, where we were with our family, the Santil family there in NASA and we visited them and spent a day with them. They have three children now and they stream all of our services and, you know, they're connected to the meetings and sometimes what we take for granted or, or we take it for common and I'm just coming to it right now in just a moment others from the outside are just drinking it in it's important for us though and maybe I'll just go to it now and come back later oftentimes we let things that are valuable slip between our fingers and slip through our hands like sand and we do not value it correctly we're not capturing the moment And I pray tonight, God, help us to capture the Word of God. Do you agree with that tonight? Because God is passionate about His Word. I'm not going to get on the negative. But we can be guilty of being passionate about things that are not even godly. They're not even eternal. And the reason for a Wednesday night service like this is to just change our focus. God is enthused about His Word. God's zeal is performing the word of God. I don't know what's happening in your life, but Malachi 4 is going to come to pass in somebody. Their hearts are going to be turned. They're going to receive the word for their hour and they're going to be raptured. It might as well be you. It might as well be us. Capture the enthusiasm of God. And let me just say that again. Oftentimes we let things valuable slip between our fingers. They, they like slip through our hands and we don't value them correctly. And I think it's not just in, in, in just us or you, but humans have a weakness To glorify the past and embellish the past and the good old days. And they seem to, it's like a weakness. And just stay with me here. To glorify the past. But true Christians desire to seize the moment. And catch the spiritual and the supernatural part. What is God's part? What is the spiritual part of the now? Are you with me tonight? And and I just pray along with you tonight, I hope the word is somehow affecting your soul, that God would reveal his enthusiasm on the important things of our lives. Because many times as we speak about enthusiasm and enthusiastically, sometimes your mind might think about an individual or certain people. Certain church or thing. I'll just give a little example, maybe like a young girl. Or a young wife or a young bride that's been married. Or maybe a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You'd say, wow, they're so enthusiastic. They're in love or they're so happy. You know, sometimes little children and sometimes young people, they can seem like they're carefree. It's like they they have no cares and and just the the little things of life. Uh, But I want to turn that just for a moment. What about God's enthusiasm? What is God caught up with tonight? 
Let's look at this just a little bit. I have some images on the screen for a purpose. These are actually hurricanes. And what you're looking at here, uh, right here on the bottom, is actually you're looking up through the eye of a hurricane where you can see the sun. I just want to show you some of these photos just a little bit. And this is an actual hurricane. And this is the believer's position is to live right in the eye of the storm. Many times the calm weather is at the center of very strong tropical cyclones. The eye of a storm is circular, a roughly circular area can be even 30 to 65 kilometers, 20 to 40 miles in diameter. It's surrounded by an eye wall, a ring of towering thunderstorms where the most severe weather occurs. Just stay with us for a little bit. When you look at the eye here of a hurricane and, and these are the eye walls that you can see around and there's rain bands and many times things are working counterclockwise and things are happening opposite and sometimes it's just tearing away at the very fabric uh, here as you look at a hurricane that's just coming uh, here on the on the right hand side is Florida. It's coming up through the Gulf of Mexico. This is the United States and the Great Lakes here. But this hurricane here that's coming up through the Gulf, you can see how it will affect many, many things for miles and miles. But right in the center or and many times maybe moved to the side is something called the eye of a hurricane. This certain image that that I have on the screen is a, is a view from inside this Hurricane George. This was 1998. When it was a very strong Category 4 storm. And you can see the inside edge of the eye wall. How it can be. Can you all see that? You're right in the center of this huge, massive hurricane that caused millions of dollars worth of damage. And they have planes that fly right into the middle of the eye of the hurricane. That's where the believer lives in Christ. There can be all kinds of storms and issues and things swirling. And the men may be opposite and different. But in the middle of all of that, there's the eye which is Christ. I just want to show you here, and I'm not going to get scientific, but you can th- see thunderstorms and rain and how there's certain flows and spinning of things that are happening inside of a hurricane, twisting. And we, we were raised in Indiana where there's tornadoes and you can s- find these storms or cyclones around water and they'll just go through whole subdivisions and root up houses and trees and it just tears up things. That's just like the devil. Are you being spiritual tonight? He just wants to rip up everything and tear up everything. But it's nothing like the Holy Spirit to cause in the middle of all of that. There's an eye. There's a place and you can see right around this eye here. Vertical on the bottom part is a surface view. But looking up through this hurricane envelope, you can see there's a violent eye wall that's right around the eye is where it's very violent. Very violent. I was thinking about how God made us body, spirit, and soul. And how can be right around the soul realm is your spirit. And then there can be things happening in your body. Satan trying to cause questions and issues. But right in the middle is the eye of it all. 
Here you can see this again. I'm just showing you on the screen how there can be warm, moist air, then cold. And, and it's just like many times in our lives, it can get cold and it can be hot. It's amazing how you can have two individuals, maybe in the car and one's hot and one's cold. Or what you can just find it just amazing how you can be in the same uh, area, in the same house, in the same room. And one said, I'm so hot and open the, and one, I'm freezing. You can have people right in the church and, you know, some are on the mountain. Some want to praise God and shout hallelujah at, the, at just the littlest scripture or quote. They're like, praise God, hallelujah. And then somebody's just going through like they're just bearing the load and they're bearing the pain and they're in the middle of the storm. They're in the middle of the valley. In the valley, they're bearing the weight. They're bear- And they might just catch one word or one quote or something maybe showing. And it just gives them strength to go on. Go on, brother. Go on, sister. Because it's usually the most violent right around the eye. And you can see here how in, in the times of hurricanes and things. But I also wanted you to show there's something called storm surge. That is here, the, the normal sea level is here. But then there's something when storms, they start calling, causing surges. Surges that happen and then high surges. It, high tides. And on the negative part, a storm surge can be the devil coming in to destroy. Take out marriages. Take out young people. Take out a young lady. Take out a young man. Take out a couple. Take out a whole family. Take out a church. Take out the ministry. Take out the deacons. Take out the trustees. It's called a storm surge. The same water, but just like a surge of the enemy. But I'm going to turn that tonight around to the positive. We believe in a rapture surge. Where God's plan for the elect is right in the middle of all this perversion and onslaught. God is going to come one day and take us home. It's going to surprise the devil. That's the enthusiasm of God on a Wednesday night. That's the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to turn your focus now back to living in the eye of the storm. Whether you're a little girl, a little boy, a teenager, middle-aged person or old. This is your position in Christ. That no matter how the storm might be swirling, there's an eye. There's a center. There's a peace. There's a calmness. There's a rest. There's a shalom. And they've taken airplanes. These are photos of the eye of the storm. They go right into the middle. That's where the sun's shining. That's where... It's like the presence of God. And I, I just think sometimes these things are amazing. God's first Bible is in nature. And the more you can get out in nature and see the handiwork of God, it just causes a person to say, my, isn't our God great? And, and men and women try to figure it all out. But we, you can have a revelation. This is what makes God happy. Say, Brother John, it just seems like a violent time in my life. You might be at the very... Curtain edge of coming into an eye. Coming into a time of peace. 
And here they've taken airplanes right in the middle of the eye of the storm where it's just resting in peace and the sun is shining there. This is my uh, last slide on this hurricane eye wall. I wanted to show you this, how that th- this can be surrounding the eye of a mature hurricane and in, in the area where these winds may be gusting more than 200 miles an hour. And there's a thing they call the tail of the thunderstorms that produce heavy rains and very strong winds. It has the most destructive section of the storm is on the side where the wind blows in the same direction as the storm's forward motion. So Satan's on a track to destroy and take out a mind, take out a spirit, take out a body to destroy a soul. But there's a strong man of the house, faith. There's God looking on the same situation and he's wanting to say, peace, peace. Brother Branham said in restoration of the bride tree, you take a tree, a big old tree. He said, when I was a boy, I used to go out. Can I just speak on this for just a little bit? He goes back and remembers as he's just a little boy. He's standing at the pulpit and he begins to go back to give the people something to grab a hold of this bride tree. When I was a boy, I used to go out and as boys, there was a great big old tree we used to sit under, a big birch tree. And the winds would blow and I wonder and I look like that so much in the top, it looked like it'd blow the thing over. But he said, you know, every time wind blows on a tree, it rocks the tree. And it loosens up the roots so that it can just dig deeper and get a better hold. I I trust somebody's listening tonight. Don't, Don't let your minds wonder. I think Brother Caleb prayed that tonight. You can be looking in, the, in your life and just seem like everything is just moving and moaning and groaning. It's like it's going to go over. But every time that wind is blowing, it rocks that tree. It loosens up the roots. Now he goes from the top down to the roots. It loosens up the roots so they can dig deeper and get a better hold. I say, God, give me a stronger hold tonight. And listen tonight, he's going to put it now into our language, brother. That's the way mockery and laughing and making fun of a Christian. What does it do? It's persecution that shakes the Christian to make him pray more and dig down and get a better hold so he can stand the storm. You know, sometimes we can protect one another and and want to keep those things from happening to one another. And it pains us and it hurts us to see someone going through a trouble, through a trial. And we look bad sometimes. We, We can be going through a trial and we look horrible. It's tearing up everything and tearing up anything that's good and anything that's been righteous and our fruit and our leaves and our bark. And it just seems like we look horrible. But you remember what Brother Branham and Brother Tom's always been such a positive uh, minister for our church. Because Brother Branham talked about Ella. Do you all remember Ella that was related to the Wright family? And he instructed them. Can I just go to this? 
to this part of the service. I just feel to go to this right now when Brother Branham was talking about, because um, I had this in my notes in 1963 when he talked about this uh, one that was getting older and coming through that time of her life and how that we need to bear with one another and understand these things. Sorry, her name was Edith. I'm sorry, her name was Edith. And how she lost a lot of weight and she looks bad. He's saying this from behind the pulpit. She looks bad. But I tell you some night, not all of you together, but just take a little trip. And, you know, they set up with her day and night. But just a little trip down there from this tabernacle and the different tabernacles and sister tabernacles. Some of you people go down and see the right family. I'm sure they would appreciate it. Just go down and sit with them a little while and talk to them and shake their hand. And if no more than just a little friendly visit, he said, we forget that so easy, you know, when it comes to our own home, then we appreciate it. And we must remember that others appreciate it. He said, go down and visit the right family. And try to cheer Edith up. Now, let, let me just stop right here. What if you'd been streaming that service and you'd heard Brother Branham say your name and say, you look bad. <laughs> you know, I went to visit Brother Tim and he looked horrible. I mean, Brother Tim would probably say, Brother John, what are you saying that for? But here's Brother Branham speaking about a sister. But watch how he's just talking to the church. Try to cheer Edith up. Now, don't tell her she looks bad. Tell her she looks good and she's going to be fine. (laughs) I know what some of you are thinking. Well, you're lying. No, this is the word. This is the enthusiasm of God in the church. He just got done saying she looks bad. But when you go visit her, tell her she looks good. And she's going to be fine. Which she'll be alright if we just keep holding on for her. She is our sister and we're here to hold on in times. Like I just want somebody to hold for me and pray while I go through my trials. And you want somebody for yours. Don't we all friends? Now do you know that sister Edith passed away just over a year later. But in this service, Brother Bradham said the Wright family has been one of the oldest members. I was thinking of you, Brother Joe Waldner, and your family. Because he, now he's talking about the Wright family and how they've been one some of the oldest members that comes to this gathering. Brother Roy Slaughter and Sister Slaughter. I seen them just a few minutes ago and I waved at them when they come in. Thought, thought of myself as I drove around the corner. How many years have I seen Brother and Sister Slaughter take their place in this church? Through the ups? And the downs. Is everybody listening tonight? There's families in our church that whether they're in the ups or in the downs, they just keep waiting right on. I say, God, help me to be that kind of Christian. And the right family like that, you appreciate those people and let's show our appreciation to them. Even teenagers that we have around us are children. Now, Sister Edith was a little older and she was going through that change. But now he talked about it in questions and answers about teenagers and how we need to commit them to God. And even when they go through their times of rebellion and times when it just seems like you're on different pages and 
And he's just talking about that from the pulpit. He says that they go through that. Practically everyone goes through that age. You did and I did. And we've got to think their thoughts. You remember Becky? And she was slamming the door and things. And she talked like that and walked away from them and slammed the door. And she said, you expect me to be a wallflower all my life? And blammy, she slammed the door. And Brother Branham said, that was the devil. So on one side, he's getting the, the, the natural side. And on the other side, he's discerning that there's spirits that are working. And tonight, how we need the Holy Spirit. To just let us capture the heart of God about the situation. There's a time to let things go. And then there's a time to say, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, take your hands off of her. I'm quoting to you right out of a message after the seals that Brother Branham's just speaking about older ones than younger ones and how we need to bear with them through those times. You know, that's good medicine. A merry heart. Someone that is, is happy and joyful in the midst of the trial. That's like taking good medicine. Amen. Say, Brother John, that's exactly what I don't feel like. But many times good. That's good for us. We need to stay on our knees and stay committed to God. Can I just take a few more minutes? I got a couple more minutes right before we close. Tonight, let me just put this into your heart and ask you some questions. What gets God excited? We're speaking about capturing the enthusiasm of God. I was thinking about this today. What gets God up and out and going? I'm speaking figuratively because we know that God doesn't have a chair. But today you'd say, what, what, what gets God up and out of his chair? That would say, man, that's my son. That's my daughter. That's what makes his facial expression turn to a huge smile. Is when he sees you and I acting on the word of God. That makes him just want to nod his head and give you a thumbs up. Some of you didn't expect this tonight, but it's God's enthusiasm. And maybe it'll just come right over the top of the somebody's bowl and get on you. Get on me. It's like good medicine sometimes. It brings the happiness of God down into our lives. What fulfills God? What's, what's God's greatest sense of satisfaction? It's when we out of weakness become strong. It's when we begin to rise up. What fulfills God is when the storms begin to blow upon our trees as it was that our roots go down deeper. That's what gives God the greatest sense of satisfaction. Is when you as the bride tree go deeper. Go deeper. I say God forgive us if we've been self-centered. Forgive us if we've just been caught up in ourselves. Caught up in things. This is our last slide. Remember this message that we were encouraged to listen to. One of Brother Branham's last messages. God's only provided place of worship. One day down on Jordan. After that masterpiece had been formed and made. And here he come sending down on the wings of a dove and said, this is him. He was so enthused with this masterpiece. Until he struck him on Calvary. That he would die for the rest of us was imperfect. 
that through the shedding of his blood, he might bring many masterpieces, being a bride to his son, masterpieces scarred because the enthusiasm of God to see such a masterpiece, he struck him for us all. He was stricken for us. He was stricken for my healing. He was stricken for my deliverance. That's what brings God excitement tonight is when we that are bound rise up in the name of the Lord and says, I'm going to be delivered. I hope some of you catch it as we close and our musicians just before you about ready to come. That's what makes God happy. When he sees someone that's been beaten down and covered over begin to rise up like a lily. God gets a smile. It's like the sun. He wants to move back those hurricane storms and let that sun just shine down on that lady, on that man, on that young boy. I pray that some of you and I would capture the very heart of God. Capture his mind. As I was just speaking to someone late last night and We need to capture the will of God, what His will is for yourself. You need to capture that. His nature, His attitude, His thoughts about it. What He thinks about it. And I think we can take good encouragement from the Word now to say that everything's going to be all right. That's the Holy Spirit speaking time after time and in the prayer lines and in the healing lines. He would speak individually and say, everything's going to be all right. Say, it's horrible, it's bad, but everything's going to be alright. Maybe we can just bow our heads now. Let me just say, Lord Jesus, in your own life, in your own need, in your own prayer. Just let the Holy Spirit come down there and put vitamins down there. Maybe the situation's pretty complex. Maybe the issues and how things are just working is, maybe there's confusion surrounding it. But tonight you just like to say, Lord, I need your hand upon that. Put calcium in my bones, Lord. Put certain vitamins down there in the place that I'm needing. Maybe doctors can't find it. Maybe an x-ray can't find it. But the Holy Spirit knows exactly what it is. And he's just eager. He's just excited to say, my son, my daughter, won't you just believe me for that miracle, for that healing? I wonder if even this week, God has chosen you to do a miracle, to do, to just totally change a situation. But he's asking, are you willing to allow your life to be someone that he can work a miracle in the situation? But maybe it's a healing. Maybe it's something that, that's going to take some time. Maybe it's not going to be immediate. Maybe it's going to be a few days or a few weeks. And maybe in ourselves we get self-centered. And we start looking at our own passion and our own fervor and our own excitement. And if we're not careful, the lust of the, of the life and the time of life that you might be living in can just cause your heart to be bent away from God and bent in the wrong direction. But the Word of God is always in season. 
He'll just come right in a moment to just bring your heart right around. He's just eager. He's just passionate about this. He's he's zealous for this. He's just his fervor is all over that. Just saying, my son or my daughter, I want you to come to that place that in your season. You'll bring forth his fruit in your season, in your life, and whatever's happened to your situation. I wonder if you can just fall back on the arms of Jesus right now. Just fall back on his word as you just play that, Brother Benjamin. Jesus, hold me close. Hold me close. You know that song, Brother Joe. Maybe you can try to bring that up. Maybe somebody can just fall back on him right now before you leave. And you can just say, Lord Jesus, I'm falling back into your arms right now. My physician. My healer. My counselor. My balm. My peace giver. You know the answer to this test. You know the answer to this. Maybe it's multiple choice. Maybe there's a line and you've got to come up with some answer. Maybe there's an issue and you've got to say, Lord, I need your mind about this. Can you just pause and let the Holy Spirit take your roots down? Let him begin to work on that poison. That old bug, that wrong spirit that somehow got in. That wrong attitude that's destroying and breaking things up. You're hurting friends around you. You're hurting the very people that can help you the most. You've become a whole other person. And it's not right. It's not the bride tree. It's not the nature of Christ. But tonight the Holy Spirit has just brought it to your attention. I encourage you to yield to the Holy Spirit. Lord, put your enthusiasm back in my heart again. Put your love there. You've been nervous. You've been tired. Something's come into your life and caused certain cares and tears and certain thing has got you into a place. Let the medicine of God's presence just come down into that spot. Don't fear no more about it. Even in death, everything's going to be all right. To a believer, they just begin to have the Holy Spirit begin to work in their heart. Let me just read this to you while your head's bowed in Utica, Indiana. Brother Branham in a certain little church outside of Jeffersonville, he said, I feel that's about like life is. Just about time we think we're straightened out and everything's going to be fine. Then something comes along and knocks it out again. Now all you people that's up, especially he said around my age, know that trials and battles of life. Sometimes I try to wake myself up. Oh, Lord, he said, and one of these mornings or one of these evenings or sometime I'll wake up. I'll be in his presence and all trials and sorrows will be over. I hope that 
that that's to be true. I hope that someday I can wake to be like him. That's my heart's desire is to wake in his likeness and see him as Paul said. And there's one thing that I want to make sure of while I can in my right mind. I want to make sure that I know him and the power of his resurrection. No matter what else takes place, if I die a pauper, or if they bury me in the potter's field, or my grave shall be in the bottom of the river or the sea, wherever it may be, I want to know one thing. I want to know Him. That's all that counts. To know Him and the power of His resurrection. I know on a Wednesday night we have a lot of things in our mind. But don't let money, don't let some career, don't let some girl or some boy or some hobby or some mechanical device steer your heart away from God. Lord, I want to bring forth your fruit in the season. I want to bring forth your will at this turn. At this turn in my life, I'm turning. I'm turning. We didn't have time to go to Hebrews, but Paul said, let us labor to enter into that rest. Labor to enter into that rest. Labor to come to that place where you can let everything that might be battling against this rest of God. That's your believer's position in Christ, a spiritual rest. Where God can calm the winds. Paul said, let's strive to enter into that place. Let us labor to enter into that rest. Lest any man fall after an example of unbelief. Let us labor to enter into that. God cut off all restraints of my heart. Any incitement or seduction or thing that stirred me in the wrong way. Release your Holy Spirit into that place. Give power to the church of the living God again. Speak mercy and grace into that heart that's maybe given up hope. May hope come back tonight and be restored back into that situation. Heavenly Father. I'm sure it's been cut up and maybe coming from different areas, but just coming back from our little time away, wanting to share with the church some of the things that you were just working through in our own hearts. I pray, Jesus, that your enthusiasm, when you look at your bride now and these messages that these brothers are delivering to us, over the weeks and over the months and as it begins to turn into years we begin to see that you're fashioning and forming a people a masterpiece and we're just getting ready to be in the moment of the twinkling of an eye and where the change will take place Lord and I know we're lingering just a little bit and some have tests Tomorrow and some have struggles. But I also know that Satan is trying to bring a surge, a storm surge and hurricanes. And he pronounces 
issues upon people's lives. And tonight we've heard your word standing up that we are in the eye of the storm that we can have peace and rest and shalom. Lord, hold us close to you, Lord. Never let us go. Never let us get hardened. Keep our hearts sweet. Keep us mellow, oh God. In Jesus' name, Lord. We bless your name, Lord. In Jesus' name. Let's stand tonight and sing this before we go. Oh, Jesus, strong.